It's good to be here again in the beautiful Loma Linda area here with Advent Hope. And uh, we have our second of several, as it was mentioned. You mentioned Loma Linda. My wife, I talked to my wife just before we started tonight, and she was telling me about the snowstorm. Yeah. uh, We're missing. It's it's hard not to bring that up when we're from Michigan, but yeah, uh, we just brought it up. It, it's already happened, yes. But the Lord has got blessings for everyone. I'm not trying to gloat. I'm just saying. I'm it could certainly being sound appreciative. Like it. Exactly. And we're uh, okay. anyway. We're at another presentation here tonight about Sabbath school, bringing Sabbath school to life, and and all the different ways that Sabbath school can be a blessing individually and collectively in the local church. Well, and we had said last night that we also are wanting this. You know, if, if you're watching and you're like, well, I'm not involved in Sabbath school, I don't teach Sabbath school, don't think it's not going to be very applicable for you as well. What we're talking about tonight really is how to get more out of studying of the scripture. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and we've got a lot to cover, but before we do that, we should probably begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our conversation tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for yet another opportunity to talk about this important ministry of Sabbath school. And Lord, tonight is our specific area of focus will be the Sabbath school lesson study Actually, the Sabbath School Bible study that the lesson is built to help us do. Help us to know how to get the most out of our own personal and our corporate reading of Scripture and study of your Word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Pastor Howard. I want to say something as we're starting tonight. We had a conversation a afterwards. Yeah, well, okay. you know, it's it, one of the reasons that we really were looking forward to coming out here and doing this is we've talked about doing a... And at least an additional segment for talking points each quarter where we fill in some gaps of things, you know, because when we do a talking points, there are things that we discuss and we're like, oh, cut that out. And then we always afterwards, and this happened last night afterwards, Cameron's like, I don't know if that went really well. And we always do that with it. And I wanted this to be more like, you know, it, not as much a production. Like, here it is, and here's our 30 minutes, and we're polished, and oh, cut that out, because no, you're getting everything here that isn't maybe ideal, the pounding on the table, which we're going to try to avoid. But it's a lot of the discussion that we have in the interaction is how we prepare for talking points. Right. And so you're just maybe getting a little more of the real. Sure. Well, let's talk tonight about Sabbath school. You know, almost when you say the term Sabbath school, it comes across to a lot of people as an antiquitous term itself. It's old fashioned, it's a, a generation, but it's not now, right? And Sabbath school attendance is essentially, at least in our North American context, uh, probably at an all time low, if we're, if we're being honest, looking at the landscape. Now, to be clear, there's two things I'm going to mitigate that with. Add, as you explain that, mm-hmm. you did something when you were in, the, at least in the Kalamazoo Church, where <laughs> yeah. you had. For yeah. your attendance. And I, well, here, let me give you a little background little about that. A little story about this. A little story. Um, we, we sometimes in ministry have a joke about, like, like if someone says, can I have five more minutes? And then somebody say, is that prophetic? Ha, 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 because they mean they're going to go over five minutes, right? Or if someone's going to, you know, doing an, how many were there? How, are, how many were in attendance, right? A hundred. They're like, well, is that evangelistic numbers right. when that really means ten, you know? And we joke about that sometimes, but the same thing happens. Like, when I was in the... Well, you already outed it by using the word Kalamazoo. I usually say it's, I won't name the church, but it starts with a K and ends with an Kalamazoo. But um, the point being, at the most recent church that I pastored, there was on the books, 
think the number was 390 or 370-ish, upper 300s, right? And as a pastor, if somebody asks you, hey, what size church do you pastor? It's so tempting to say, uh, about 400, yeah, right? Kind of round it up evangelistically. Um, but the reality is you look around the church and it didn't take long at all to realize we might have almost 400 other books. We've got nowhere near that many in the pews, right? And so we started doing a thing about taking attendance. Now we weren't doing it by the people's names. We weren't counting the front of their faces, right? But just in the back of the heads, how many people are actually there in attendance on the Sabbath morning? And so we asked the deacons to start keeping a running track of that. And what was interesting is... Um, we did this for weeks or months at a time. You can start to see trend lines develop, but an average pretty much came out that we had on an average attendance at the worship service about 160. Now, and I hate to say it, but that is very typical. Yeah. Uh, book membership and attending membership, and that's the worship service. Well, and, and I was going to say that. <laughs> then you start learning, like, if we're going to take, we want to make sure we get the most, squeeze the most out of that attendance as possible. So we learn not to take attendance at, you know. Even 11. Yeah, even 11 o'clock. 11.27. Exactly. The, the few minutes <laughs> right before the sermon starts is a peak attendance. And as that deacons deploy, count your number two. But if we did it at announcement time in the morning, you'd miss a certain section right. of that. And so, and I wanted to conv- communicate to people why we have this many people in the books. We only have this many people in the pews, and how do we do that? So I started actually posting, uh, just like we do with tithe dollars and offering giving, and what now if you have a thermometer for a fundraiser or something, everybody knows what our status is. Why don't we do that with people too? Right. And just say how many people actually came to church last week. And we started putting the bullets in, like last week's attendance was such and such. But then it dawned on me that attendance at the sermon time is not necessarily representative of all the church life. And there's this whole other thing that happens. It's equal time, by the way. Most, if not all, Seventh-day Adventist churches have two elements to the Sabbath day, uh, the community worship time, which is the worship service itself, which, you know, on average is going to be, you know, the 11 o'clock service, let's say. And then you have the Sabbath school, which is, say, 9.30. So between 9.30 and 12.30, you have three hours, and exactly half of that is Sabbath school, and the other half of that is the worship service. Except most people only attend the worship service, and only then they only attend the last half of the worship service. It's only going to be a quarter of what's actually offered all Sabbath morning long. So we started taking attendance during Sabbath school. And wouldn't you believe that when we started taking attendance during Sabbath school, it was significantly lower than that in the worship service? Hmm. To the tune of, say, I think it was about 90 or so. And that was all the kids' classes and all the various lesson studies all around. Add them all up about 90. And I said, what can we do to get the word out? Let's print it in the bulletin. We started printing in the Sabbath school attendance. And then we went the ultimate route and said, you know, there's this other thing that we're told is, you know, the prayer meeting is like breath through the soll and it's the heart of the church and the true what is the phrase she says that the real attendance the real participation of the church will the be prayer seen in the meeting prayer meeting is as the pulse is to the body right it's so, folks in Loma Linda can understand that one <laughs> so, yeah, right? a, a good medical reference it's <laughs> good and so started taking prayer meeting attendance and that I think shook out to usually around 13 15 or so and, and the then the question is yeah how many people go to your church it's like Ah, that's complicated. <laughs> it's a little bit difficult to say. So, Sabbath school used to be in the Seventh Adventist Church, not in a terribly long ago, and even right here in North America, it used to be the big thing that would be. It was a central part. It was a heartbeat of the church. More and people attended. Right. Sabbath there were there was a time. I think in the nineteen it, it transitioned around the nineteen thirties to fifties ish, where 
church service, the worship service would catch up and actually eclipse in westernized country. in Western world. But even to this day, you go to other parts of the world field, which by the way, most of the Seventh-day Adventist church is other parts of the world field. The North American Division constitutes roughly 6% of all the membership in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That means that 94% of most of Adventists are not here. But if you go to places that we would typically think of a mission field, like in Africa or South America or something like that, and lo and behold, Sabbath school is going gangbusters. It's it, it, What was the story yeah. your brother was talking about? Well, my about? brother had gone, he works for the Sabbath School Person Ministries Department of the General Conference, and he went somewhere in Africa. And, of course, their Sabbath school started at 9.30 a.m., and he said a, a, a large number of the members had to travel up to four hours to be there. Mm, we're talking and, about walking. Yeah, bikes, walking, yeah. riding bikes, whatever. Yeah. And at 9.30, there was standing room only. In other words, they weren't trickling in. They all came. They got up four hours early, 5.30 in the morning, going on their Amen. way for a four-hour walk so they could all be there. And the place was packed out for Sabbath school. That's right, because Sabbath school is seen as an essential and, element and of the church. And it wasn't just church members. They were bringing their interests right. and visitors. And, and that's another thing, too. When we talk about the Sabbath school as an outreach opportunity, it seems so foreign to us now. But that's the thing that people would invite their friends to. We have this Bible study group, this Sabbath school that means, come on, bring your friends and bring your kids. And anyway, but that's not where we live right now. At least in our Western context, Sabbath school attendance is essentially at an all-time low. And there's probably many reasons for that. We're not going to try to exhaustively detail out all that no. could be. But, but we talked last night about the fact that the General Conference has an initiative called Sabbath School Alive. Mm -hmm. And if you want to find out a little bit about it, you can go to alive.adventist.org. Yep. Uh, we're going to tell you just, we're going to highlight what the, what the main idea of Sabbath School Alive is where they're emphasizing three primary components of Sabbath School. Right. The three primary components of Sabbath School are mission, fellowship, and Bible study and prayer. Okay, so three different... A lot of places have just jettisoned the mission altogether, or, or, or the fellowship aspect is only tangential, but the real thing is Bible study. And of course, it's always going to be the primary component. Well, There's let me just interject in there. You have the... Um, you have a, the, the whatever you want to call the Sabbath school program before the Sabbath school classes break up mm -hmm. that for many churches for some time has become superintendent remarks and superintendent remarks from my experience in so many churches has been basically chicken soup for somebody's soul well, let's just say less than remarkable night, or whatever I thought up this morning because I just forgot I had superintendent remarks until I came into church and they said what are you going to do this morning so but it doesn't often tie into the lesson, and it take, it's in the place of mission. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons there's not talk about mission that many churches have just pulled it out altogether, as you just mentioned. Exactly. So you just, let's dive right into the lesson. And let's so waste we won't time. talk about mission spotlight. We don't highlight local features. We don't call for the mission offering. Right. And so all of a sudden, attendance is down, offerings are down, mission falls off the radar. But we need to redeem the time, friends. Right. We need to talk about mission. So last night we yeah. talked about how we're trying to re revitalize mission and get that as a part. We talked about mission spotlight. We talked about local mission. That's right. And we talked about a local mission element coming up right here with the upcoming restoration. That's right. And I don't know if we did a great job. And so we we're going to do a better job than nice. We have the <laughs> folks helping to spearhead it here, Bradley and Nicole. Come on in, And friends. so we said, hey, why don't you guys come in? And we're gonna scooch over and, and we're gonna fill in the gaps so that we don't mess this whole thing up. When it comes to restoration. Now, we talked about last night, the theme was standing in the gap, and mm -hmm. I don't know if I did a good job with that. So tell me, 
what is what the theme? Yeah, what, what are we talking about with restoration this year? First of all, when are the dates? Okay. When are the dates? So restoration itself starts on March 5th, and it goes through March 13th. But we have a service week coming up that starts February 5th. And the service week is not an addendum. It is part of restoration. Like it's not yes. a preliminary. No, no, no. Don't use that exactly. It's not an optional parsley on the plate. It's part and parcel of restoration this year, right? Yes, it's a full okay. week. A full and so week. that begins with when? Mar- uh, February 15th. February 15th and is the day... service week starts. February 15th is a Monday. Monday. Monday, February 15th. Okay. So, go ahead. Ask the question, because I'm curious about this myself. What's involved with the service week and how can people get involved? Yeah, so the service week was based on what does the community need? That, that's essentially what we want to find out. What does the community need? And we just saw lots of healthcare workers, friends of ours that are just feeling burnt out and feeling mm. the burden of, of all of this COVID pandemic and trying to yes. really struggle and wrestle through, you know, not having support that they need and things like that. And so we thought, how can we somehow send an encouragement to them? And so the, the service week is based primarily focused around healthcare workers mm-hmm. and how we can give them a little boost of encouragement. So we are packaging awesome. 10,000 care packages for our local hospitals. 10,000 care packages. Just think of the logistics of what just came out of your mouth there. So we are packaging 10,000. Who is we and what's in these bags and how are you going to put them all is together? Is that ahead of time or is that part of people coming that is the service that, okay. is, the service. that is the service talk is about we're calling an army of people together to come and help us put the bags together and then they'll be distributed to the hospitals obviously with some restrictions now they won't be going into the hospitals and hand them out but we're going to be putting them together okay let me hit the pause button on that let me just say this sometimes people are like well i don't know i feel nervous about that going out and mingling with people and i don't want to give this out but worst case scenario you can help put stuff in bags yeah. <laughs> And do a part of this yeah. great this great work. I mean, I'm listening to you guys talk about this, and I'm thinking, hmm, it sounds like something that Jesus would do. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound very Jesus-ish. So you're gonna you're gonna get these ten thousand uh, kits together, and then what happens? Yeah, how's the distribution? So there's two. Is there a particular hospital or an area that you? Yes, right on that. The the two hospitals in the area that we're looking to serve is the local at the University Hospital and So literally within walking distance, you have access to some 10,000 healthcare workers that have a particular need at this time, and you figured out a way with these care packages to give some sort of encouragement to them and minister to their needs. That's awesome. awesome. When, when you talk missions, we, we were thinking maybe 2,000 packages, maybe 2,500, and, and God told us, no, I want 10,000. And so when you do missions, when you step out, uh, God asks you to take one more step. Then you Amen. Go so are these packages already funded? Do you need fundraising help with this? Do you need people to put them together? Do you need distribution help? What are the things that are needed to make this happen? So the biggest need we have is an army of people to okay. put 10,000 packages together. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're offering uh, sign-ups for students and other people who want to be a part of that. We're providing meals for people who want to come and help put the packages together. You're going to feed people just to come help you do this. <laughs> Friends, come on. Yeah, so <laughs> I wanna, and I want to encourage you, for those who are viewing, there are people you know who aren't viewing who would love to know about an opportunity like this. So first of all, think about signing yourself up and think of the people you know that can get involved. I mean, I've done, and we've both done training, different types of evangelistic outreach. And one of the most unpopular is just knocking on doors, cold calling, they call it, and asking people if they're interested in Bible studies. 
And that's people are like, oh, I'm terrified of that. This is going to people <laughs> who are helping out medical personnel and saying, we just want to give this to you and be a blessing to you. Like, seriously, this is the lowest risk, this? highest reward you exactly. could possibly get. Yeah. Exactly. Like, anybody, if you're afraid of everything else, this is one of those things I would think anybody could say, hey, wait, I can do that. There you go. So that project is that first February 15 component of restoration this year. Now the second half of restoration then will follow up with the meetings then at on the campus. Right? And Michael Getz, Pastor Getz, is going to be the pastor the speaker this year. Mm -hmm. And so those are that's kind of a one-two punch if I'm reading yes. the landscape correctly. The service element first, and then the speaking component to follow. Mm -hmm. That is pretty exciting times. So yeah, and so I was asking a little bit ago the standing in the gap. The, the what's the What's the main theme? What's what does it mean? Being there? The theme comes from Ezekiel 22, verse 30, and God says, "So I looked for a man, or so I sought for a man that would um, build a wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land that I may not destroy it." Mm. And that theme, a wall is only as strong as the weakest point, mm -hmm. and at that point is where we sit. And we actually wanted to have this restoration theme last year, and it was totally knocked off by COVID. Coming back this year, there's a gap that people have not had that time with God, they've not mm. had that connection with God, mm. and we're calling you to come and invite someone to be here at Restoration. When you hear the messages, you need to stand in that gap and invite someone to fill that gap with Christ. And so that's our encouragement, and Pastor Getz is going to do meetings at lunch and in the evening, and it's going to be a blessing, and we invite you to be there. Excellent. Amen. That sounds like a fantastic two-week process with the service Absolutely. element and the follow-up of the meetings. I'm really excited about what's going to be happening on the campus here. And I'm expecting that other people out there are excited about it too. And they're going to be in attendance. They're going to be participating. They're going to be inviting people. And the Lord's going to bless. It's going to be great. Well, thank you for sharing with what you have. Is there any other message you wanted to give tonight? Or is that, have we covered all the Well, bases? and we're going to be here tomorrow night and on Sabbath. And you'll be hearing more about this. For sure. On the next couple nights too. And if there's anything we didn't cover tonight, you guys are like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it on Sabbath. We'll do it both. Anyway, thanks guys so much. No, that is, that is, I'm disappointed I'm not going to be here when they do it. I know, we both had the opportunity I mean, to speak like, at Restoration before, and it's a great event, isn't it? Yes. I really like that, I mean, when I was here, we did the lunch meetings, and we had the evening meetings, it's almost two different crowds of people, and two different, Absolutely. you know, mindsets, it's just really neat, so. But we didn't have the, the we service didn't have that service good. element. I know, that's I mean, really that's cool. just great. Love it. And it's not just because we're personal ministries guys. I mean, no, it's because it's just good in itself. At, anyway, in, in fact, I was talking about that. We were talking about that earlier, and, it, and it's a little frustrating to me because the substance of Christianity is not just going to church and listening to a sermon or even going to Sabbath school. It's ministering to people like Christ Amen. ministered to people. And if that's missing, everything else is just formalism. So I just want to encourage you guys to get involved in this, to take advantage And to go back to where we're going, one of the reasons Sabbath school isn't as alive as it should be, is that yes. mis missing, not just theory of mission, but the practice of mission, getting right. all the stuff. So highly encouraged all the mission work. Well, we talked about mission being one of the components of Sabbath School Live. Another right. is fellowship. And I think by and large, a lot of people experience the fellowship in Sabbath School, at least on Sabbath. There are two more level. ways to do that. We're gonna talk about that sure. later in the week. But then that third element is Bible study and prayer, which right. you mentioned last night is is really a, 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 a cornerstone of well, Sabbath School. Even, even I can't. I don't know that there's any church where it isn't the largest time commitment of the Sabbath School program is going to be devoted to getting into the Bible and, and studying the Word of God, and that's as it should be. That's not a knock. That's a good thing. But if that's the largest component of Sabbath School, 
then we really need to spend some time in making sure that's the as high a quality right. of an experience as we can have establish. So it's vital that we have that Sabbath school study time. That's right. And and there's a lot we can say about the Sabbath School Live components. And again, we may address that later in the week. But what we want to zero in on tonight is this. Um, I think one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons that people don't get as much. And I have to confess mm -hmm. that before I was in the Sabbath School department, oh, I was not a fan of the quarterly, which in a minute we're going to tell you that that's not the official title of it anyway. But... <laughs> I was one of those guys who was just like, ah, I just don't get it. But you know, like, we're 13 weeks on the book of Jonah. Seriously? I mean, can't we do something more interesting than that? And I'll be honest with you, I think the, much of the reason that I felt that way, and that you may feel that way, is I really wasn't giving my attention to the lesson book. And the lesson book is not the quarterly. Come on. The quarterly is technically called the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide. And one thing that dawned on me, you know, of course, I got into the Sabbath School department, I'm like, I can't be like down on the quarterly now, because I have Exactly, to. now I have to reform. <laughs> I gotta represent it. But what I realized is, is I went in and really began to study the passages that the lessons were based on, mm. and expect the Lord to teach me something through those passages. I mean, listen, there's so much about scripture I don't know and I won't know when the Lord comes and we'll be trying to figure out through eternity so to make like yeah I've already been there and done that uh -huh. you can't ever have that well plus have you ever noticed this and I'm just you know people will sometimes say you know this is a great quarterly I like how it's written or another one is like I don't know where the author was going with this. I don't like how it's written and so the whole thing becomes based on the writing in the quarterly that yes. a lot of people that's what makes or breaks a good study is how well it's written or the flow of thought. Now, of course, contributors are solicited, but I mean, one of the things we've talked about, and I don't know if we're going to go into it here, but we might as well for just a minute, is... <laughs> we're yeah, going we to, may as well for a minute. Yeah, because I started. So, but... But there isn't an author. There's a primary contributor, and it goes through editing, and there's editors, and there's a whole team of people. Like, this isn't just a guy sitting down, writing it, and publishing. That's not how it works. It's a whole process, and in the last year, we've had single contributors. We've had the one on education was like multiple contributors and whatnot. And so the, the, those are variable things. Yeah. But the Word of God is the component that's always the same. It's always Absolutely. sort of bedrock. We're going to actually talk more about the lesson and how it's put together okay. uh, tomorrow. And then on Sabbath, in our post-game analysis, and, and it, it's been, we've wanted to be able to talk to our viewers about the fact that we have challenges with the way the lessons are put together sometimes. I'm not not like it's always a challenge. And we, don't mean, is, like, we didn't want to pretend like, yeah. oh, the quarterly, there's no problems with it, just go with it and quit your complaining and everything. <laughs> no, that, uh, but but there, the, the challenges you may run into are not enough reason to jettison it. The, 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 the bottom line is that if you study the scripture that the quarterly lessons are based on, you can have meat in due season Amen. for the flock of God. And that's, that's really so that's our kind of our goal with talking points, and that's what we're gonna talk about this meeting, the, the, this evening. How to get the most out of the the quarterly lessons, right? specifically. And in order to get, and I think we're clearly making the framework here, is that the, in order to get the most out of this, we need to make this the primary source. That's right. right? And so, so that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna get very practical here, and I'm gonna tell you, um, 
and we talked about this on Talking Points. Typically, the way we do our workflow, I make up the outlines, but we've both done them and we both do it a little differently. Uh, and I say that because you're gonna do it differently than, than, than I do or than Cameron does, mm -hmm. but um, I wanna give you just a general idea of what I do when I get ready for what, for us to film a Talking Points. And you know, Cameron will weigh in with maybe some things he does similarly or a little differently or whatever else. But the very first thing that I've become uh, accustomed to doing that I'm in the practice of doing now is that when I get to the lesson, the very first thing I do is read through all the passages that the lesson is based on. Now there are certain apps, uh, there's a Sabbath school, app, there's a couple Sabbath school apps. In fact, the General Conference is working on developing, this is in process right now, again, my brother works in the Sabbath school department on an app that's going to have a lot of features that are missing currently. So you can use, make notes with your Apple Pencil and it will actually say, one thing that drives me crazy now, if any of you are using both of the apps I have this problem with, I I like to use my iPad and I have an Apple Pencil and I have it not right on there. And every time I make a note, when I move over to like my Bible and back to it or whatever else, it refreshes and loses all my notes. So what's up with that? So anyway, I'm going to go on about, they're fixing that. Well, I'm, and, I'm and, and we're going to get into this just touch later, but there are obviously, we're in a technological age and there's a lot of different apps and Sabbath School is one of them. So what I have on my phone, just to be yes. when I open up the home screen here, and I don't know if you can get a shot of that and if you can't, no big deal, but one of the little folders of apps that I have is just SDA and you click on that when you've got the hymnal. I've got the SDA Church Manual. I've got the Sabbath app, which tells me the sunset times anywhere you are in the world. You've got some other media ministries on there. And one of them, of course, is the Sabbath School app. So you click on that guy right there. And one of the things I like about the Sabbath School app is that you can just click on whatever lesson. And inside of the lesson, like you're going to recommend reading the Bible passages, and you just touch the passages and they show up. So you don't have to even have a separate Bible app. But then you have your, you can have your Sabbath school app. You can have a Bible app itself. Right. You can have your Ellen White helps apps, you know, the uh, White Estate app. And so all the resources you need can be so easily accessed right now. So there really is no excuse not to have good information uh, and good study habits right. when it comes to Sabbath school. Well, so I started, I started actually doing that with that particular app, in fact, because I'll take lesson three out of this quarter's study guide, for example. Um, on Sabbath afternoon's lesson, it says, read for this week's study Isaiah 7, 1 through 9, Isaiah 7, 10 to 13, and Isaiah 7, 14. And I'd open to that in the app, and I'd tap on those texts, and all the texts are right there. So I could just read straight through those particular passages. And then I discovered that some of the lessons will say, read for this week's study, but within the lesson, then it adds other texts in the study. Mm -hmm. So I just got in the practice of going through and reading before I did anything else, before I read through the quarterly's yeah. contributor's, the, the contributor's thoughts, take on it. Yeah. I wanted my take on it. I wanted to get, you know, what am I getting out of these passages? So I read through those passages, and sometimes I'd have to read around them and get more context. So for example, um, Step number one, read through the passages that the lesson is based on. Now, I know people who don't know what to study for daily devotional time. I've had people say, I don't know, I just don't, I have to, I don't have devotions because I don't know. And there's some great reading plans. There's some Bible and Spirit Prophecy companion reading plans that I recommend. But I've found that the quarterly is a great, pick the passages in the quarterly, and that can be a great basis. There's no shortage of things you can study. Right. 
And every, every day of the lesson will have right. some text, you know, basis to it. So there's always some study there. So I will read through those passages. And as I'm reading through the passages, I make notes in my Bible. I know some people think that's sacrilege to make notes in the Bible. That's fine. Make them on a separate piece of paper or something. Use a notebook. But I will jot down the things that jump out at me or grab my attention or anything that I got going through those passages before I've ever dived into the lesson. And one of the reasons I feel that's important, especially for a Sabbath school teacher, is that the Holy Spirit will direct your thoughts to things that are relevant to the people you're ministering to. Mm. And the contributor of the lesson, as he was writing the lesson, probably had thoughts that would relate to his church or the people he ministered to or she ministered to or they ministered to, but it may not be your group of people. So sometimes sometimes teachers or, or just people studying the lesson feel like I've got to come up with the exact same conclusion that mm. the quarterly did, or the contributor did, like, God forbid I would come up with a different idea <laughs> from this passage of Scripture. Mm. And in fact, Cameron, well, yeah. sometimes when we do our talking points, yes. and we come up with our points, sometimes I go through the lesson later, and I come up with a whole new set of points. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like we've exhausted everything there is in three points. Well, kind of like, as you were mentioning a minute ago, like, sometimes you'll take the lead on, sometimes I've written them out, and if we were to take the same lesson and each of us start I can almost guarantee that more than half of what we come up with is going to be different emphasis than the other person. But that doesn't mean that one is more valid than the other, one is better than the other. It just means it's different. And so, kind of like what we were saying the other night. If every teacher had exactly the same emphasis, all the Lord would need is one carbon copy person. Right. And then you could just read through the thing because that's the only and best thing. Exactly. Everything is exactly the same. What we do, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew. I was going to say, we only have, there is one (laughs) possible. (laughs) But you mean the books of the Bible. Gospel author. Exactly. One gospel message poured into gospel books. The point being, though, that that you're going to take the same material the Lord is going to you know bring forth different pieces of light and different perspectives on things and that's totally fine and in fact that would be the best if every Sabbath school class was every individual is really digging into themselves and the teacher was too what a dynamic discussion you had well you know another thing is I think you know oftentimes the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to convey to the ones you're teaching but I can't tell you how many times I've told church members you probably have too like man pastor that sermon really stepped on my toes I say let me tell you something it stepped on my toes when the Lord showed it to me before I preached to you mercy so not just the people you're teaching but the Lord brings things out that Mm -hmm. you need to learn for your own spiritual growth so that study of scripture that's the foundation of Sabbath school and Mm -hmm. that's what will bring you know the word is living and powerful Mm -hmm. you know you read the story in ezekiel of the dry bones can these Mm -hmm. bones live and the lord says speak my word to the bones right yeah so there's not enough of the word in sabbath school oftentimes absolutely and and And, and, even i would i would dare say that people would be tempted to say well i mean i hear the word preached so why do we need to go study it but there let me tell you friends there's a different dynamic in a, in a small group Sabbath school study of the Word of God than there is That's in right. a, just listening to someone else present something that they've studied out or they think that you need to hear. And so when you study something for yourself, you get something, then you have the conversation with the, the leader, the, the, the teacher of the class presents what he did, and then you have the dynamic of everyone sharing. You're going to get so much more out of that content than you will out of a presentation, slick as the oratory might be and as well-packaged as it might come across. And there's, there's a place for that. I'm not denigrating good right. preaching. We need good preaching. But study in the Sabbath school is different than listening to a sermon. And they're both very good for our spiritual growth. Anyway. That's true. So, 
go through the passages yourself. Make the notes of the things that jump out at you. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to, in some cases, I do this. I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I read through stuff and I'm like, where is he going with this? And even though the lesson started with chapter 7 in Isaiah, I got like, to go back to 6 again and see what the setting was or whatever else. You're going to have to do that in some of your study. And I think that this is one reason. It's not the primary reason. It's not for everybody, perhaps. But one of the reasons I think there is less scripture really being studied in Sabbath school is because, and I hate to say it, that but the teacher did not have the time or make the time to study scripture, and so they are leaning on the person who wrote the lesson to study for them. Mm. And that's not going to make for an interesting Sabbath school. Mm. So, Could, you, is it possible you can tell someone is presenting something that's not coming from within them? Like, it's not coming, <laughs> like, they're kind of, like, it's like a cover song. Like, you didn't write it, but you're just doing your version of it. Like, I think there's a lot of that happening, like you mentioned, in the Sabbath schools. Like, they're trying to convey, maybe with conviction, but it's not their conviction. You know, and I may even add to that. I know some people who do that not because they neglected to study, but because they're insecure in their own study of the Scripture. Like, the well, I'm not as study. good as this person. Right. Is this per the Lord will give you what to say. Mm. The Lord is no respecter of persons. The Holy Spirit will use you and move through and, and bring out the things that that he wants you to learn and wants the class to learn. So, And that's one of the dangers, if there is a danger, of having like professional, you know, scholarly contributors, academicians, all these, presenting these things because... Academicians. You, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a word. Somebody Google it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, if not, it is now. It sounded good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you know what you're talking about. Well, that's the point, though, is that, man, someone said something, and I couldn't possibly open up the Bible and come up with this, with these this, this contributor yeah. or these editors. Don't have up, to. These are scholars. So I just default to whatever they come up And I begin in this lesson study of this very quarter, nothing against the contributor or the editors or those who put it together, but there's been more than one occasion where we've come into a point that was made or an inference that was kind of laid out there that we had to step back and say, like, is this really what the passage is trying to say? Yeah. And I think we might get into an example of that later. Well, um, that's when we get into our post-game analysis, we bring up some some examples. Of but that don't be thing. afraid to say, wait a minute, let me reserve judgment on this, even though it's been stated. Let me go see, let me go check their work, see how they got there. You know, let me read the Bible in the context, read the spirit of prophecy, read the commentary, whatever, and see where their, their flow of thought is. And if it's valid, well, then it's my flow of thought, too, because I've studied it out. But at least you can see for yourself what the Word of God has said. That's important. That's right. Okay, so in addition to going through the passages, one thing I will do is I will look at commentaries, especially with this Isaiah um, study. I've gone through commentaries to get some of the historical details, and I'm going to recommend a few. There are some commentaries I like better than others, and I'll tell you why in a minute. The Albert Barnes commentary, first of all, one of my favorite apps is called Esor. I have a very expensive app called Logos, and it's great. Uh, and one of the things I like about Logos is it has the Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary in it. But eSword is free, and there are a lot of free resources like these commentaries. The Albert Barnes commentary and the Adam Clark commentary. A lot of our Seventh-day Adventist pioneers use the Adam Clark commentary. And one of the things I find I appreciate about both of those commentaries is that more recent commentaries, as as the Adventist faith has grown, a lot of theologians feel a need to kick back against Adventist theology. Mm. And so a lot of their commentaries, they're trying to shoot down Adventist theology. But these some of these commentaries, like the Barnes and the, and the Clark commentaries, were written early enough that 
there, you know, there's not as much of that. So it, it, to me, it's actually more fair explanation of scripture and they're just some great resources and they're free mm-hmm. in that in that uh, e-sort app the jameson fawcett brown commentary i like those and of course the seventh day Adventist bible commentary there are other commentaries yeah, i'm not limiting commentaries but i will usually read through those commentaries and it gives a good background and that helps to fill in perhaps some gaps or explain some things and i'm not going to take what the commentary says some of these commentaries just like that's gospel truth I'll go back in the passage and read through it again and say, oh, some, oftentimes they give enough light that you're like, oh, I, that is what it's saying. And it just really helps to solidify in your own mind and clarify what it is you're, you're studying. And I don't know if we mentioned that one, but I want to make sure that we highlight that we have the best commentary of all Absolutely. is the inspired commentary of the Spirit of Prophecy. And so, for instance, when you're studying anything you're studying in the Bible, is going to be touched on to some degree or another in at least the Conflict of the Ages series. You know, the uh, Patriarchs and Prophets through Great We know that's there. also a, a, a taboo phrase for some. Inspired commentary. You're not supposed to say that with all my writings, but they are. Well, it's common and it's inspired. So it's an inspired <laughs> commentary. I don't I know agree. how else we're going to get around that, I but agree, it is. But I know, I know you need some kickback on that. So well, you're aware of it and okay. just disagree with it. Yeah, they're free, <laughs> free to be wrong. Um, so the point Kick being, back. though, that we have the Bible itself, which is supposed to be accessible to every mind, right? Child right. through adult, that's fine. And then you have the, the you know, I think of the, the the Bible as this great, bold, bright spotlight for, that the Lord has given us. And then the focal lens of the spirit of prophecy will take that same light and focus it and make sure that the correct understanding and the proper application is given. So anytime you see something in the Bible, and... Uh, I just saw it just this evening, and before we get started this, you were discussing something we had studied out, and and, and you had done a, a, a deep study on one particular nuanced thing. Yeah. And no matter how, I've never seen it fail, when you study something thoroughly, and you look at other commentaries, look at the Bible commentary, look at all this kind of stuff, you come to the correct understanding, you open up the spirit of prophecy, lo and behold, she had it all. It's like you're clawing through this long, dark tunnel, right? And at the end of it, there she is, sitting in a wheelchair, like, just waiting, you know, knitting or something. But she's okay, rare. Okay, so I have, I have something Let's right to the point. Let's have right to the point. So I'm studying for the talking points. We're going to be recording lesson number nine on Sabbath afternoon. So we're going to do that live. And as, we're go- as I was going through it, I was reading about um, Isaiah 41. And Isaiah 41 talks about a deliverer from the East. And there's a lot of messianic... Um, uh, overtones there, but there's also Whoa. there's there's also I got a little breezy here for a second. It's live, <laughs> it's live. Um, but it's one thing that's been fascinating to me in the book of Isaiah is I've read much of Isaiah with those overtones, those those messianic that we've already sure. you know. But I, what I haven't seen is a lot of the literal classical interpretation of the passages, like. There were literal fulfillments. The child that's promised, right. called Emmanuel, and he's going to, you know, hurt curds and honey shall he eat until he knows. But, well, that had a literal application. Right. And, and many of those did. So anyway, I'm re- reading that today, and that delivered from the East, the literal practical application, we'll be talking about it when we go over the lesson, was King Cyrus. So anyway, it gets me into this, as I'm reading the commentaries, it gets me in this deep dive. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever studied the Persian kings you know that there's a lot of confusion. Like, for example, the Bible speaks of Darius the Mede. To this very day, Darius the Mede's existence is questioned. Much like Belshazzar's used to be, and then they found an unearthed... uh, But there hasn't been anything like that with Darius the Mede. So, 
I'm doing this deep dive and reading and that one person thinks it's this and one person thinks it's that. And the thing that was fascinating to me was in Isaiah 41, this deliverer is noted for his righteousness. Well, you're thinking Cyrus and some of the some of the commentators were like, you know, he's a Persian king. He's not one of God's people. Why the word righteousness? Well, then some of the others were making reference to the fact that Cyrus was known for his benevolent character, etc., etc. And then, and then I found it interesting in the commentaries that it it basically revealed that Cyrus was the nephew of Darius the Mede, who was the king who went through that whole lion's den experience, mm. right, with Daniel. Mm. And so I thought, well, that would, you know, he wasn't just oblivious to the God of the Israel. Reality in fact, of God, yeah. in, and in Scripture, Cyrus is quoted as giving reference to the Lord Jehovah, God mm. of Israel, etc. Anyway, so I'm diving through this, and I'm reading this person contradicts. When it's all said and done, let me see if I can pull it up here. When it's all said and done, um, as you said, I went and I looked in Prophets and Kings, and Ellen White makes a very clear point that... Um, and just off the off hands calls Darius the Mede um, calls Cyrus Darius's nephew. That's Prophets Kings five twenty three. So there she was sitting there yeah. after my study. However, I can say that after doing the study, it gives more more confidence more in the writings of Ellen White because I saw it in Scripture. I saw that that uh, general idea of agreement among the uh, different scholars. And then another interesting point she made was in. I'm probably getting ahead into yeah. the lesson. By the way, here it is. Prophets and Kings 5.23. It was not long before uh, reverses came. Babylon was besieged by Cyrus, comma, nephew of Darius the Mede, comma, and commanding general of the combined armies of the Medes and Persians. Yeah. She just states it offhandedly. You know, oh, yeah. And then she common makes knowledge. Some, but then she makes this great point on page 557 where she says that basically Daniel's deliverance from the lion's den was used by God to create a favorable impression upon the mind of Cyrus the Great. Mm. Cyrus was the one that released the Israelites from captivity. So like that whole lion's den thing, and Daniel's got to be like, why is this whole thing happening? And the Lord's like, you just wait. I'm just moving the pieces on the board because this has to happen to this, because I foretold that Israel would be delivered mm. By Cyrus, and I named him ahead of time, and it's going to happen that way. But this has to take place. This is incredible, powerful. Yeah. Anyway, and so that's that, all just an aside. <laughs> that's all right. So the, the point being, study the passages, Amen. read what you need to read in commentaries, avail yourself of those corresponding chapters in the Conflict of the Ages series, and. And the Ellen White app. Yeah. You can search terms there and find out all kinds of stuff. Because there might be some other writing that she referred to something that didn't wasn't included in the Conflict of the Ages series. The Conflict of the Ages series just happens to correspond to the entire Bible's course, right. but there's some detail stuff that might be in other places. Now, Use all, the that app. We, all that we've said is what I like to do before I go to the quarterly lesson. <laughs> exactly. And now... Now go I've got quarterly. that. It, and they, now I don't know how it was with you, Cameron, but when I, when I had my homiletics classes, preaching classes, they would always tell you to gather every stitch of information you could and then tithe your information tithe for this. preaching. Yes. And that meant keep 10%, not <laughs> cut out 10%. So the point is you'd amass all this and then you'd whittle it down to what's important. So part of the reason for that study of the passages that I like to do is I want to own it. Mm -hmm. I, w I want to have points that, that jumped out at me and things that... And then as I go through the quarterly, uh, the contributors' comments, I'll go through, I'll highlight, 
I'll underline, and I've, I've given Ryan a couple sample pages. So Ryan, if you want to throw those, you're going to throw those up on the screen. And I forget, I think I had pages 34, 35, 36, something. And you'll see, this is my quarterly. Uh, and Cameron's is similar, just sloppier. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, I always use different colors. I've got red and yellow this time in the highlighters, and I'll use different things to do. But the point is, I'm, I'm going through the quarterly now, and I'm jotting down every thought that I have as I'm going through, highlighting different things, still not determining necessarily what I'm going to bring out as talking points. So we've already gone through the passages of red commentaries and Ellen White's comments. Now I'm going through the quarterly, and I'm still highlighting. And after I do that, I'm going to whittle it down even further. But that's my own practice. And I don't know if you vary from that a little bit. Well, basically, if I can review what you just said there, is you read the Bible passages themselves first. Then you look at the supporting commentary. Then you read through the contributors' items and and start making notes of one that before. And all through that, you're saturating your mind with all that's covered in this week's lesson. And then you start to pull it down to like, all right, if I were to sum up this week's lesson in fewer points, what would yes. it be? Like bullet points or so talking points? I, I, I really need to interject because this really isn't a given. But the very first thing I do is ask the Lord to show me what he mm. wants me to get out of the lesson. And mm. I don't want to take that for granted. Um, all my study... All the study in the world is not going to give me the thoughts I need to have mm. if if I don't implore the Lord for that. In in just for me personally and for being able to teach others. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not a Sabbath school teacher and you're just this is your own personal study, the Lord wants to reveal things to us. He mm-hmm. wants to make our walk with him closer and stronger. And so I always ask him, Lord, show me what I need to see in here. And I may not get what the next guy gets, and I may not get as many points, and maybe mine won't be as, as brilliant. But they're going to be brilliant for me. Yep. They're going to make the difference for me. And that, I, I just really want that to be clear. Like, you don't study the Bible primarily for others. Mm. First and foremost, it's so you can come closer to the Lord. And if you're closer to the Lord, that's going to come across. Well, in, in a sense, then, it becomes a, a form of a personal testimony in the sense that, like, yes. here's what I studied this week. Here's what really touched my heart. Here's what I understood. And I want to share it with you. So you're not teaching for the sake of just... You know, conveying these facts or getting through these days. You're trying to say, friends, I was blessed by this. I was really moved by this. It really opened my eyes, and I want to share that with you. And not only will you own it then. I don't. I can't see the screen, but Ryan, you could take the pages down now if you haven't. I'm assuming he has, but he told me, I'll put them up and you tell me when to take them. And I told him after you said that, it's like, Mark's probably going to forget. So you just feel it out and take them off the screen, whatever, because it's going to roll. So I don't know when they fell, fell off, but whatever. The, the point being that the, the, the Sabbath school instruction and the yes. Sabbath school interaction is going to be so much more powerful when everyone, especially the teacher, but also the members of the class themselves, are studying for for their own personal benefit, and then they bring those to the class with them. That discussion time in class is really going to be a lot more um, a lot more moving, a lot more or substantive if that happens. Yeah, and I'm just looking at my notes on this particular page. It's not one I think we showed, but the, the, the question in, in this particular lesson, it's asking about King Ahaz, who he didn't want the sign from God, even though Isaiah told him he could mm-hmm. have a sign from God. And it asks the question, in the end, even if God would have given Ahaz the sign he wanted, do you think he would have believed? And so I jotted down Luke 16, 31, not even if one rose from the dead. And, and my point is, you know, that's where the passage where in the rich man and Lazarus, he said, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, neither would they believe it one. Now that is nowhere in the lesson. But the Holy Spirit brought that to my mind. I'm bringing that as an example to say, when you are going through here, the Lord will bring things right. to your mind. And 
I don't even know if we use that in talking points, but when I was going through this, I jotted it down. And then as I'm drawing my lesson together, I pull from all these different places. Mm -hmm. So after I've reviewed the scripture and different commentaries, Sister White's comments, go through the lesson. Yep. Then what, what I like to do is I like to step back from the lesson and ask myself, how would I outline this? Like, what are what are the author's main points? And sometimes I'll just summarize it by day. I'll say, like, Sunday is this, Monday is this, Tuesday. Like, what was his main point? And then I can look at what, what were all those main points, and I use those and what I've already studied to draw out what main points would I make out of this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that everybody has to do it that way. I'm just saying how, how I typically do it is I try to outline the lesson as it's written in the quarterly. And then finally, I want to determine the three most important or practical or relevant points from my standpoint. And if you're teaching a class, that relevance is going to have to do with what you know about the people you're interacting with every week. They're going to be things that are very specific to your group. So I'll draw out those three. That's why I say your three points may be different from my three points. And maybe you have four points. Maybe you just have two points. But we generally like to go three points. What are the three most practical, important, relevant points from my own study that I can cover in class? After I've done that, that's my final kind of distilled down step. Well, it's not the final. It's next to final. Well, two things on this. Number one, in this particular quarter in Isaiah, uh, the contributor did a handy thing in that at the end of each week's lesson, at the end of Friday, he has a summary thought, and it basically is two to four sentences that say mm -hmm. where his fault, because you got to realize when you're right, you're given the assignment or you're asked, I don't know how it works, to, to write a quarter of lessons on a book of the Bible or a particular topic or something, you people don't think in seven part chunks, right? You think in a flow of thought and you say, how can I compartmentalize this, break it down into seven? So it's not like every week's lesson has seven points. Usually there's only up two or three, four at the most points that are being tried, or sometimes even one point that's broken down into little pieces. So I think it's fascinating. You can have the standard edition, you have all the teacher's helps, but at the end, there's a summary of about two or three sentences that this is what I was trying to cover this week. And so if the author, the contributor did that, surely you can do the same thing. Say, if, if I were to put, summarize this whole week's lesson, it's basically talking about this and this and this. And so if you can do that, uh, it's going to be a lot here. And Mark, why is it important to have only, say, three, like each week we try to do three talking about why is that number or why is it, why not seven or eight? Why not have 10 points or why... What's the benefit of summarizing it and making it? Well, so we've talked about this a little bit, and, and inevitably we'll say more about it too. But most Sabbath school classes run right around forty-five minutes, mm -hmm. some give or take. But that's you know, some I know some classes take thirty-five minute adult Sabbath school time, mm -hmm. but usually somewhere around the forty-five minute mark. And if you've ever taught class, you know that forty-five minutes, it, especially if you we're going to talk about this, like teaching the material is a different thing because you're not just going to be reading it or monologuing it. You want to involve the class and that takes time. Right. You're going to have people looking up passages and maybe reading passages and that takes time. And so we just, three points seems to hit the sweet spot for being able to work not just in a 45 minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want something that I mentioned yesterday. It happens a lot where a Sabbath school teacher's time may be cut for whatever reason. Yep. And you want to get through the important material. I believe these lessons, especially when you've taken the time to prepare it, the Lord has given you something to share. You don't want to have to be like, well, I want to share it, but I'm not going to be able to share it. Because... So coming up with 
three points makes it like I can share three points in five minutes or less. So if somebody said, look, if we, I had we almost have no time, we only have five minutes, but can you do a quick review of this week's lesson? Could you do it on the spot for each week? If I had three points, I sure could. That's right. If I didn't, and I was like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> like, you know what I would do? I'd say, we're halfway through Monday. And, I'd say, <laughs> and there's the bell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Okay, so I the importance of making it succinct, yeah. And so those, those, those points, I want to emphasize this as well, you want to draw out the points that are the most practical, important, relevant to you as the one preparing the lesson. These are your talking points. They may not be our talking points. They may not be what we covered. They're what you're covering and that's perfectly fine. That's part of your preparing the lesson. Talking points is just giving you an idea of how you can come about. And you may, some. Uh, we've had people say, hey, I like to talking points. I used one of your points until my own. Great, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Just make the class, cover the, the lesson, and we're, of course, we'll talk about this tomorrow when we talk about actually giving the class, covering the, you know, yeah. in class presenting. Yeah. But um, make sure you're teaching scripture to the people and it's going to be received mm. as a blessing. And something I made a note of here is the talking points need to be points, not evangelist sermon titles. You know, like, and that's what you so get a lot of. I earlier talked about evangelistic counting. Now you're going to be talking about evangelistic titling. You know? <laughs> okay, so Wednesday's lesson here in, the, in January 13th, the sign of a sign. Well, that has an alliteration. That makes it a good title. Right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Tuesday's lesson, another chance. It doesn't tell you anything, okay? It's not a point. And so a talking point, and, and honestly, we're both evangelists. So this took a little bit. It's like yeah. at first we had these evangelists go, hey, this is a sign of a sign. I like what it. are you talking about? And so we had to come up with an actual point. So, for example, this Sabbath morning's coming lesson, lesson number six, our first talking point is Isaiah 14 reveals the great controversy. It actually says something. Now, it may need some explanation, but it says something. Point number two, God's discipline is redemptive. Amen. Um, Just amen. even saying that, you're like, amen. There's a lot in that. Point yeah. number three, a remnant shall return. In other words, make your talking points points. Yeah, definitive, clear statements. Right. And then, um, and then once you have those points, make an outline of your points. That's what we do. We make outlines available that you're welcome to use. Um, MichiganSSPM.org on the resources page, and you're going to put your, you're going to outline your points, and then you're going to fill in text you want to bring in, uh, quotes from the lesson, um, spirit of prophecy quotes, yeah. whatever yeah. notes that you'll want to be able to teach. The class and then one of the things I have here that we do not cover in talking points is if I'm teaching the lesson then I want to come up with discussion questions for class mm -hmm. and in talking points we bring up the talking points but if I'm leading a class this is important and I, this is why <laughs> you don't a lot of Sabbath school teachers use these open-ended Questions that have no right or wrong answer, and it's like, so what is? What do you think about this? And it's just, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we talk about. I know, keep saying that, but we talk about teaching. Well, that's an evangelistic trick too. It's like if you had to miss a night, it would be tonight, but you don't want to miss tomorrow night because that's, <laughs> that's what's right. all <laughs> So you want to ask questions that have right and wrong answers that you can actually control in class. You want to be able to control the flow. You don't want to ask a question as teacher where the thing's going to get away from you and you can't pull it back in and it's gone. Well, even the phrase, what did you think about or how did you feel about? Like, oh, that opens it up so nobody can be right, nobody can wrong, everybody wants to contribute and there's 20 minutes and you're just chasing who knows what And it's point. not that you can't ever ask something a little open-ended. It's just 
again, as we talk tomorrow about actually teaching the class, the teacher has to be able to keep things yeah. moving so that they're able to cover the lesson. You want interaction, but you don't want interaction to the point that you as teacher can't cover your lesson. Right, interaction, but not distraction. Uh, the right. Lord intended that the lesson be conveyed, and that's mm. a, that's a primary part of responsibility of the Sabbath school teacher. So, Oof. that's a lot there. I don't that know. That was if, a lot. <laughs> but I, I hope that people can easily digest what all this here. Because like, <laughs> right now, I got to go apps. I, I got to go get all this. I got to. I don't have an idea what you were talking about. <laughs> But the reality is that everyone should be able to access this information and not just depend on like, well, I guess it said it on Sunday's lesson, that's it. And be, take the extra time, study the word of God, look up the commentary, inspired and otherwise, right? Do your own study. Even as just a member of the class, even if you're not expected to lead out, it's going to be that's a right. benefit to you individually, but especially as teachers, you know, having responsibility of leading, make sure you know what you're talking about when you get up there in front. And it's not for the sake of showing off, and it's not to present a second sermon on the day, but it's to lead a quality study of the Word of God so that everyone will be blessed, and Sabbath school, by God's grace, will come alive. That's right. Our main point of conveying what we did was to give you some ideas of some things that we do. You may not follow what we've outlined sure. here, but hopefully it's given you some practical ideas of how you can get more out of your own study of the Scripture. But the number one thing you got to do to get more out of the Scripture is study the Scripture. Amen. <laughs> and there's just not as much of that going right. on today. That's right. And people say, oh, I can't, I can't understand it. Listen, the Lord Jesus says uh, that you shall know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just want to encourage, trust the Lord that he wants to teach you, he wants to teach me, he wants to give us a rich experience. Um, the Bible says that faith is believing that God is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you're seeking him in Bible study, believe he's going to reward you. Mm. That's part of faith. And he will. I guarantee it. Based mm. on his own word. And Jesus is the one who said, I will send you the spirit of truth and lead you into That's all truth. Right. It is, it's, a, it's a fact. So trust him. Put it into practice. Amen. All right, you want to close the prayer tonight? Absolutely, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just are thankful for the privilege we have of being able to know you and your son Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To be able to know you through your word and to be able to study your word. And Lord, I just pray for those who have watched tonight that something that we have shared would be a means of helping uh, them to know you better, to know your word better, to get more out of their study of the word. That hopefully it would be uh, helpful to those teachers tonight who are watching that they may find some uh, avenues in uh, assisting them to better prepare their lessons. And Lord, for all of us, we just want to continue to grow up into the likeness of Jesus, whom we love and admire, and who we want to spend eternity with. Lord, we pray these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.